Good morning. Welcome to those who are joining us in the Fellowship Hall and online today. Our Advent series this year is centered around the question, what do you want for Christmas? But today we're looking at a story about a very unexpected gift that Joseph was given that first Christmas. Have you ever gotten a gift that was completely unexpected? We've been asking the question, what do you want for Christmas? But what if instead of what you want, you got something you never even considered wanting? How would you respond to that? When I was in college, I got a very unexpected present when the night before I was leaving, leaving for Christmas break, a guy from the next dorm over showed up at my door and handed me a white and teal stuffed gorilla. And totally surprised, I asked, what is this for? And his answer was, it just reminded me of you. <laughs> Thanks. Just a tip for you guys out there, no woman alive wants to be told she reminds you of a gorilla, okay? <laughs> that didn't go well, just, you know, to let you know. <laughs> I've also gotten unexpected gifts that made me try things that I never would have tried otherwise. Movies I never would have thought to watch, books I'd never think to read, but I found they stretched my horizons, and I ended up better for it. A few Christmases ago, my mother received a make-it-yourself kombucha kit as a gift for making fermented tea. And up until that point, she'd never even considered wanting to drink fermented tea. But because someone gave her a kit, she thought she'd give it a try. And now she loves it. Dad, not so much, but to each their own, right? Unexpected gifts sometimes end up blessing your life in ways that you might never imagine. But it's also important to count the cost before you receive a gift, right? Because there are some gifts that receiving them actually lead into an investment on your part. And before you receive that gift, you have to know what it means. For example, it's never a good idea to give a puppy as a gift unless there's been a whole lot of conversation ahead of time about that. Because accepting that gift, as incredibly cute as it might be, is going to translate into years of daily walks and pooper scoopers and vet bills. And in the end, the person receiving it may count that dog as one of the best gifts they've ever gotten for all the love that it pours into their life. But they have to know up front, this particular gift will require something of them. It's a gift that'll daily demand part of their heart if it's going to become the kind of blessing to their life that it's meant to be. For a gift like this, it's important to prepare to receive it well with eyes and heart wide open. You see, part of the gift is the opportunity to invest yourself in relationship, to open your heart to a presence that will change your life every day if you'll let it. Jesus' birth into our world the gift that God gave us that first Christmas was and is that kind of gift. It's not a receive it and forget it kind of gift. It's some, not something you can leave on a shelf. This gift is an opportunity, an invitation into an eternal relationship through the amazing love and grace that God freely offers us. It's a, not a gift that we could ever earn or buy or create ourselves. There is no way for us to obtain it other than for it to be given to us by God. But don't make the mistake of thinking this free gift will change nothing in you. 
As a case study, let's take a look at Joseph and his response to this unexpected gift. From what we know about Joseph from the Bible, it seems he was a very good and faithful guy. And I can imagine he might have had simple dreams to marry, have children, provide for his family as a carpenter, to live a respectable life with an honorable wife. And as happened in that culture, when the time was right, it was arranged by his family for him to marry. And Joseph must have felt that all his dreams were about to come true until somehow he found out his fiancée was pregnant, and since they'd spent no time together that didn't include a room full of family, there was clearly no possibility it could be his child. And with this blow, Joseph realized step one of his life plan had already been derailed. His respectable wife-to-be would drag him through scandal before they were even officially married. Betrothal back then was a little more serious than engagement is today, so to get out of the wedding now required something more like a divorce than a breakup. But from the evidence he could see, Joseph felt Mary would not be the kind of wife he would want to spend the rest of his life with. How could he start a life with someone he couldn't trust? Can you imagine how Joseph must have been feeling? How would you respond in his shoes? Well, how Joseph chooses to respond shows us a lot about his character. Because as far as the law was concerned, Mary could have been convicted of the crime of breaking the covenant promise that she made to Joseph and his family, because family bloodlines were considered pretty important back then. So by law, if Joseph was vindictive, he could have had Mary punished severely for that apparent breach of contract. But that wasn't the kind of man Joseph was. He knew Mary wasn't going to have an easy time of it. He had no desire to make it any harder for her. And he decided it was best to divorce her quietly, to let go of that dream while guarding her reputation the best he could, even though he himself had been hurt in the process. Strong character, profound integrity, deep compassion. Just the kind of man you'd want to raise your child, right? Obviously, God thought so too. Because before Joseph could step away from Mary, God intervened in a powerful, vivid dream, telling Joseph this child Mary was carrying was not from some human rival. This was not a child of unfaithfulness, but a child received by faith, God's own son. Joseph, I'm giving you this gift to raise my own son as your own because I see things in you that remind me of me. This child is not a violation of your trust. This child is an invitation for you to trust, to trust God in a way that you never imagined. And your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to become the adoptive father of the Savior of the world, to introduce this child, fully human, fully divine, into a broken, often cruel world who will choose to misunderstand him just as they will choose to misunderstand you from the very first day you accept this mission. So why might Joseph walk away from this gift? Because it wasn't his plan. This was not the direction he had wanted his life to go. The gift Joseph had asked for was to live a quiet but profound life, respectable and respected by all. And if he accepted this gift God was giving him instead, he would have the profound part in spades. But he'd have to let the rest go. He'd probably be called a fool behind gossiping hands the rest of his life. But Joseph could see clearly enough to count the cost. He was being given the chance to be part of what the living God was doing to save the world. 
To receive this life that God was giving him would mean letting go of his own plans for God's plans. Holy surrender. And Joseph dared to say, okay, God, if this is the gift you want to give me, I'm all in for it. If Joseph had gotten what he'd wanted for Christmas, we would never have known his name. But instead, 2,000 years later, kids dress up in bathrobes and step into his shoes every year to remember this man who dared to step up to the gift. Have you ever stepped back to think, this story is really bizarre. (laughs) Why would God choose to do things this way? Why is this the story of Jesus' childhood? Why does it have to be a scandalized Joseph who's called to step into this role? Well, I think it's because God is showing us something about what Jesus came to do through Joseph. You see, God calls Joseph to adopt Jesus, to claim as his own beloved son, one who he had no good reason at all to invite into his life. One who, without God's intervention, Joseph would have cast out of his life completely as a shameful scandal, is now placed in the center of his tender protection and care. And that's exactly what God the Father is doing for us through Jesus. In sending his son to be born into our human family, God lays the foundation to claim as his own those who he has no good reason that we can see to invite into his life, you and me. Because we have nothing to offer a perfectly holy and perfectly good God. Adding us into the family can only taint his perfection with our imperfection. So why would he want that? The only reason is love, his love for you. Out of love, he chose to pay the highest price so he could draw us into the center of his tender protection and care. God sent Jesus to be born into our human family so that through Jesus, he could welcome us into his divine one. You see, the promise of Christmas is all about our adoption. It's about our becoming family through the gift of God's intervention for us. Jesus makes us God's family. When I was a kid, my favorite book was Ben-Hur. I know that sounds nerdy. I checked it out of the library five times. My name was the only one on the library card. But Ben-Hur is the story of a young Jewish man who was accused of a crime he didn't intend to commit, and he was sentenced to serve life on a galley slave ship, which most people didn't survive more than a few months. And in the course of a sea battle, the ship that he was on sank, and Ben-Hur was able to rescue a young Roman commander from drowning. And as they clung to the floating wreckage of the ship, the commander stunned Ben-Hur with an offer to give him the status of becoming his son and heir. Ben-Hur's future would go from being a condemned prisoner, doomed to hard labor until he dropped dead and his body was thrown into the sea and forgotten, like so much worthless garbage, to the story of a young man who would live to be cared for, to grow to inherit all the riches of his adopted father's Roman estate, title, and privilege. 
This was an offer to share his future as family, to inherit all that belonged to the Father and be claimed, invested in, no longer alone in the world. Now, this offer would mean honoring this man as a father and learning what it meant to be his heir. And that had never been part of Ben-Hur's plan. It wasn't something he had imagined about the direction his life would go. And could he have rejected that offer because of that? Sure. He could say, well, that's nice, but no thanks. I'll take my chances as a shipwrecked galley slave on the open ocean. He could have done that. But he was smart enough to see this was the chance of a lifetime. This unexpected gift would take him into a life and a future he could never have on his own and that he would never imagine. Now, Ben-Hur's story is fictional, of course. Joseph's story is true. But both of these stories help describe for us just how God's unexpected gift comes to us too. Unto you a child is born, the angels of Christmas proclaim. Unto us a son is given. But why? What does that mean for us? The Apostle Paul explains it this way in Galatians 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Through Jesus, God invites us to be in a relationship with him that's not the relationship of a commander to a slave or the judge to the convicted, but a relationship of daddy, Abba, Father, to beloved child, a father who laid down everything he had to bring about your adoption into his family, to change your status from convicted slave to sin and death on your way to the grave, to his precious child and heir into a life that will never end. Now that might not be the gift you were expecting, but it's the gift God gives freely in Jesus coming for you and for me. It's the gift of sharing Jesus' victory that he won through his cross and resurrection for you so that even in death, you can trust Jesus has been there first and as he rose to new life, he will make that your future too. That is what it means to be an heir to all the riches of your heavenly father through Jesus coming for you. John 1, 11 through 12 says, He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. But that relationship doesn't begin after you die. It begins right now. The gift of Christmas is the one that the scriptures call Emmanuel, which means God with us. His presence with you now will change your life forever. And I literally mean forever. 
God sent Jesus to be God with us so we could see through the cross how deeply God truly loves us, what he would sacrifice, what he would pay to freely give us the opportunity to have life with him now and forever. And God with us isn't just about Jesus joining us here on earth at Christmas. That was only the beginning of an investment on his end of a relationship that's meant to be ours forever. And he freely offers that to us, we who can only add mess and scandal into his divine life. As a writer once said, everyone would believe in Christ if it weren't for the Christians. And unfortunately, all too often that's true. Because just because we've been rescued by him from the wreckage doesn't mean we've figured out how to represent him well as heirs. The truth is, human beings are messy. God knows that. If you're going to adopt a child into your life, you've got to be prepared for the mess that comes with it, right? And all a Christian is is a person who knows that we need what only Jesus can give. But in his amazing love, like Joseph, God decided that having you and me and his family was worth the scandal and the mess, enough to choose to be God with us. But the with is an important part of this gift. The gift isn't God thrown at us or God instead of us. Jesus says in the book of Revelation, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Only he can bring this saving relationship, but if he is to be God with you, there's a place only you can fill in this relationship too. And in love, he waits to see if you will refuse the life and future he's already died and risen to give you. Or if, like Joseph, see the life-changing gift this is and be all in. You see, his gift is an opportunity to open your heart to the presence that will change your life every day if you'll let it. The Gospel of John describes the gift of Jesus this way in John 1:4. In him was life, and that light was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And if you're like me in the dark time of year this year, you can't help but notice that to celebrate Christmas, people have adorned the darkness around their homes with thousands of little individual lights. And each individual light might seem pretty insignificant by itself, but together they make a profound impact. And those lights remind us Jesus came to be the light of this world, but how he chooses to do that is by inviting in and lighting up one life at a time And then through us together, living out his love for the world, his light begins to scatter the darkness. Through Advent, we've been counting down to the celebration of Christmas by lighting Advent candles. The first candle was all about anticipation, preparing to invite Jesus to his birthday party this year. The second candle was about catching the vision of what God was doing in sending Jesus into the world. The third candle was about expecting to see God move in us. And this week's candle we're calling the all-in candle. The gift of Jesus, God with us, is the unexpected gift of an invitation to an eternal relationship with all costs, all adoption fees already paid by the one who comes for you. So in our services today, we'll light the fourth candle, remembering Joseph being all in to welcome the Lord who came to be all in for us. But today isn't just about remembering Joseph's response to that gift. 
Today is about how you will respond to that gift as well, because today God also offers you the gift of being God with you. And for that reason, when you leave today, you're going to be receiving your own all-in candle to take home with you, wherever you can take a quiet moment alone with God. And I'd like to point out this is a birthday candle, and that's for a good reason, because celebrating Jesus' birth here with us on earth is also a time that you and I can celebrate that he came to give us new birth into his eternal family, that Jesus is delighted to share his birthday with you, to make it also yours. So as you take this candle home today, I invite you to find a time to light this candle just with you and Jesus and to celebrate him and to celebrate your adoption into his promise, to tell him you're all in, for this gift of being his. And I realized, like Joseph, that might take some surrender. It's human nature for us want to want to be in control, to be the creators of our own inheritance. But the truth is, without him, all of us are only stranded, convicted galley slaves on the sinking ship of life. But in Jesus Christ, God finds us where we are to offer us a different future. Be my son. Be my daughter, be my heir. Come and live with me. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And maybe for some of you, this is simply a reminder of the joy of the relationship that holds us. Maybe some of you aren't ready yet to light that candle. Maybe you're thinking, whoa, that's more than I bargained for. I just wanted to come to church, sing some Christmas carols. I'm not sure if I'm ready for the eternal God to move into my life and set up house. I understand. But you need to know that is the gift that God wants to give you. He wants to be God with you because that's why Jesus came. That is the gift of Christmas, and it's a gift with no expiration date. If you want to know more about Jesus and what the gift of his love means for you, I invite you to take the chance and find out. Talk to God. He's already started the conversation with you. He wants to hear from you. And if you don't know where to start that conversation, there will be prayer ministers available after the services in both venues right up front to pray with you if you'd like. Whether you want to tell Jesus, I'm all in, or you just want to know how to start. And feel free to ask for prayer for anything in your life. It's always good to communicate with God. That's the key to any healthy communication. And there's also some friendly faces up at the orange wall who can get you started in figuring out how to connect with Jesus or to be more connected with others here as well. But no matter where you're coming from today, if you've been walking with the Lord for 100 years or if this is the first time you've ever walked in the door, the gift of Christmas is the opportunity to let the joy of the Lord who first loved you ignite your heart with his love until all of the world sees his light. He comes for you, so let every heart prepare him room. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this unexpected gift still surprises us that you would really love us and want to be God with us right where we are. We pray today that you would help us to want what you want for us, Jesus. And give us, like Joseph, the courage and the desire to be all in for what you want to do in us and through us. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. 
Amen.